Strongsville Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Um, there was a MS he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance. To the Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Strong Christian Church. Good, amen. And you all may be seated. I just thank the Lord. Uh, before I even get into the message, I just want to give a quick testimony. And uh, I really just thank the Lord because he's just been so good. And even though I haven't been deserving of his goodness, and I'm sure you all can testify um, that you would feel the same way, you, that we don't even deserve his goodness, but he's just so good. And it's like every time you think something is about to go way left, he brings it way right out of nowhere. And it's, it's like God, like, and you, and you know God is real, you know. But it's like he just becomes more and more real to you each and every day. Amen. And God is just so good. Oof. God has been so good to me. I was thinking today, just really counting my blessings. And really the, the things that I'm most grateful for is um, other than, you know, my wife. Because God blessed me with a wonderful wife. And today's my anniversary. Praise the Lord. Amen. But I really do thank God for that because he blessed me with a wonderful wife. And the reason I say she's a wonderful wife, because she encourages me. Amen. She encourages me to do better. She makes me she makes me want to do better without trying. Amen. Just the fact that I have a wife just makes me want to be better. Amen. So I thank God for that because it's a blessing. And then I just really thank God for a church family. Amen. Because growing up, I didn't have a super close-knit family. My family was close at one point in, in time, probably way before I was born. But by the time I came about, it, it seemed like everybody was separated. And I always had a desire. I always even told the Lord that, God, I can't wait to have my own family, like start my own family. Like, I can't wait to have kids because I'm like, this is not how family is supposed to be. You know, family is supposed to be loving. And I'm talking about that real genuine godly love not the phony fake worldly love amen i was looking for a real loving family and i would always say i can't wait till i have my own kids because i thought that's that would be the time where i can have a loving family but who's to say amen but god gave me a wonderful uh church family and for a long time i, I kind of ignored it i didn't really i just took it as these are the people i see when i come to church but then I really got to thinking about it that God really blessed us. Amen. He gave us a beautiful church family. And we may not be the biggest, hugest group of people, but our love for each other. Amen. is something that I, I could never take for granted because we have we have a love for each other that goes beyond the love I've seen in a lot of families, just natural families. They say blood ain't thicker than water. Well, sometimes it is. Amen. But I really just thank God because he, he's really blessed me so much. And he's just better to me than I could ever imagine. Amen. So we come today to magnify the Lord. Amen. Because 
he's been so, so good. And you know that old devil, Lucifer, instead of magnifying God, he wants us to magnify problems, amen? Not just our problems, but problem in general. He wants us to just magnify every problem there is, amen? And this, this message that God gave me actually originated, originated from Sunday's message. I had something else uh, prepared, not really prepared, but I had something else kind of prepared um, that God had given me a while ago. So I always have something prepared unless God gives me something fresh and he wants me to do that. And I had something prepared. And I remember pastor preaching and I knew God wanted me to preach it because he said it. He said it like so profoundly. And then he said it over and over. And it's like he looked, I don't know if I was just imagining this or <laughs> if God took me into some type of uh, uh, loopy stage or something. But it seemed like he was staring right into my eyes and just saying it over and over. And it, the more times he said it, each time he said it, I could feel it hitting my heart heavier and heavier and heavier. Amen. So I knew that God really wanted me to preach this. And God is really trying to to reach his people today to make sure that we are not magnifying problems. So what does that mean? To magnify anything, um, I looked it up, and we kind of know what it is because we, we know what a magnifying glass is. So simply to magnify something means to make it appear larger or bigger or greater than it actually is. So if we're magnifying problems, that means we're making problems bigger and Works. We're making problems greater than they actually are. And then the other half of the definition says uh, to magnify something. I think it was like to bring, it, it was the actual literal definition, like to bring something under a telescope and look at it closely. Amen. But as people of God, we never want to get caught magnifying our problems or the problems of the world or anyone else's problems that we may come in contact with. The first scripture I have to read for you is in John chapter 3 verse 18 so it says that he that believeth on him and it's talking about Jesus Christ is not condemned so when we talk about the word believe we gotta first understand I when, when the Bible talks about the word believe it's not saying that we um it's deeper than we think, you know, because usually when you say, I believe something, you say it as a safety net. See, when we say, yeah, I believe so, we don't usually say it with, like, confidence or with boldness. What we say with boldness is, I know. The word know kind of replaces what believes mean. But when the Bible talks about believing, it's not talking about the way we use it. It's talking about knowing. If you believe something, that means that you know it to be true. That means that whatever it is, it proved itself to you to be true. You, you don't believe something just because. You, when you believe something, it's because that thing has been proven. So when it's talking about believing on God, it's not just saying, well, I say with my mouth, God is real. But I live my life as if God does not exist. See, if you, if you say you believe in God, but you live your life as if he does not exist. You're not believing on him. And this is why it says, he that believeth not is condemned already. 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, how is it that if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Jesus, that you have already condemned yourself? Because in, at first you have to believe. God said he is a rewarder of them that believe and that diligently seek him. Amen. And it says, first, we have to believe. In order to even receive the Holy Spirit, we have to believe. In order to have a relationship with God, we have to believe. So ultimately, to get into heaven, the first step is we have to believe. So if you do not believe, if you're a person that's denying God, you are condemning yourself. Because if you don't believe in God, ultimately you're going to go to hell. And it says this is the condemnation. So it's describing what kind of condemnation this is. It says this is the condemnation that the light is come into the world and the men love darkness rather than light. Hmm. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds shall be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So it says the condemnation that this word is talking about is the fact that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. What I'm, where I'm going with this is the fact that we magnify our problems. It says if we are not careful, we can make our problems our God in place of the true Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll say that one more time. If we are not careful, we can make our problems our God instead of the true Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it says that men love darkness rather than light. Well, that is true. When you are not a Christian, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are subject to loving darkness more than light. How do I know? Because what do people laugh at nowadays? They laugh at darkness. What makes people giggle? What makes people smile? What gets people all riled up? It's darkness. What, what is the most popular thing? Fights. When you're in school, what does everyone get excited for and gather? You don't see no kids gathering around. But as soon as there's a fight, there's a fight. You see a big, huge cathedral of people coming around. Why? Because they love darkness. They love it. And we can become just like them in many ways. Because I know a lot of people that calls themselves Christians, but they magnify their problems, even though light has come into the world. Even though Jesus has came into, so I ask you the question, if Jesus came into your life, if he rescued you from yourself and from the hands of the devil, he picked your feet up out of a horrible pit, he cleaned you up, turned your entire mindset, turned your entire heart, 
died for you on Calvary, blessed you in so many ways. And instead of looking at all the blessings God has done, you're magnifying problems in your life. How, though? We magnify our problems when we start to obsess over them, when we start to become complainers, routine complainers, when we start to look forward <laughs> to something going wrong. There's people like that. There are people that even call themselves Christians that look forward to problems. They want to have trouble. They enjoy it. It gives them some type of weird, evil satisfaction inside of them. Why? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And every time a problem occurs in a life of one, it provides an opportunity to make an excuse for sin. This is why people magnify their problems. This is one of the main reasons is because they want to use their problems to justify their sin. So they will make whatever happened to them seem like the worst thing in the world. Just so they can say, yeah, and that's why I fell into drugs. That's why I fell into this. That's why I became a homosexual. That's why I fell into sin. And I haven't looked back since because this certain problem occurred in our life, in my life. And when you do that, you replace, you, you replace the place of God in your heart with your problems. Amen. And then problems become your new God. says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants, or yeah, are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought into bondage. Of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought into bondage. That means whatever or whoever you allow to overcome you, to overtake you, to overrule you, you are now placed in bondage to whatever that is, which means you have now become a slave to whatever that is. So if you allow sin to overcome you, you become a slave to sin. It says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. So God is recognizing there are a lot of people falling in bondage to sin, to their flesh. And it's because they allow whatever that sin is to overcome them. But he's saying it's much worse for a person to be delivered from bondage and then experience 
the holiness of God and then go back to that bondage. It's like you, 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 it's like getting on a roller coaster, right? And you think you're about to have fun, and then it turns into that movie Final Destination, and the roller coaster just breaks or something, some screws come loose, and you go flying off the roller coaster, and you come this close to death, and the Lord spares your life. <laughs> and then right after you get out of the hospital, the first thing you do is go get on another roller, on the same roller coaster. The same exact one. And for some reason, you're thinking the same thing is not going to happen. Magnifying our problems doesn't do any good whatsoever. It only does harm. And if we are not careful, we can become addicted to them. We can become addicted to our problems. And I put in parentheses like a hypochondriac. Amen. So it says a man is overcome or, or whom a man is overcome, the same is brought into bondage. Amen. So if you escape bondage of any sort, if the Lord delivers you and then you go back into it, that means that you must have loved that bondage. Amen. More than you loved being free. And oftentimes it is a result of of us magnifying our problems and then we become addicted to them so when i put like a hypochondriac you got to understand what is that what, what even is a hypochondriac one of my sisters used to deal with this and this is how i found out what it was so hypochondria is when a person is obsessed and, and this is a real mental disorder this is a real sickness this is a real problem you can look it up it's scientific Hypochondria is when a person is obsessed extremely with sickness or problem to the point that they will create in their mind problems for themselves that don't even exist. They will create sicknesses and actually feel like they have a certain sickness that they actually do not have. But because they want because they want it so bad, and most of, the time, most of the times, the hypochondriac is doing it for attention. Because they, they like people showing them attention or affection or, or caring for their needs. So they will make up needs that they don't even really have. And a lot of times, we can fall subject to this as Christians. When we begin to make our problems bigger than they actually are. Our problems are exactly what they are. Problems. That's it. God said, if you are in this world, you are going to suffer persecution. He said, you are going to have trouble. You are going to have sorrow. You are going to have problems. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So it comes to a point that we have to come to the realization, are we magnifying God or are we magnifying our problems? Because guess what? It can only go one way or the other. If you are not magnifying God, you will fall subject to magnifying your problems. 
When a problem occurs and you don't tell yourself, you know what? God is bigger than that. God is greater than that. God already brought me out time and time again. God is the king of the world. God is the creator and ruler of all things. There is nothing that happens without the Lord's approval except for us sinning blatantly. And when we don't recognize the greatness of our God, we end up recognizing the fake greatness of our problems. And if we are not careful, we can become addicted. How does an addiction happen? People look at addiction a little bit more deep, I would say, than it actually is at times. How do you get addicted to something? See, people think that it takes a long, long time to get addicted to something, that you got to be really deeply in love with whatever it is. No. All you got to do is do it again and again and again and again. If you do anything repetitively, either you're going to get tired of it or you're going to get addicted to it. So if you have not got tired of complaining yet and you just keep complaining, you are going to become addicted to complaining. If you keep magnifying your problems and every time something happens, you're, you're crying and upset and mad and you don't have the fruits of the spirit. See, the fruits of the spirit is not anger. The fruits of the spirit is not sorrow. It's not depression. It's not oppression. It's not sadness. It's not boo-hoo. It's not woe is me. The fruits of the spirit is joy. The fruits of the spirit is peace, endurance, long-suffering, meekness, love, gentleness. That is the fruits of the spirit. And when we do not possess that, we become addicted to magnifying our problems. And it's a very easy thing to fall into when the devil loves it. In Psalm 46 and 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear, though the earth be removed? And though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with swelling thereof, there is a river. And this is where I praise the Lord that there is a river. What is a river? See, when you see a river, the way you recognize as a river is because the water is moving. And the water does not stop moving. You can come and try to interrupt it. You can come and lay your body across it. You can come and, and take a big, huge something like a dresser and put it in the middle of a river. It's still not going to stop moving. And this scripture is saying there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There is no reason to magnify our problems when God is the answer to them all. So it said that the Lord is our refuge, the Lord is our strength, but it said that he is a present help. Mm. Present. You know when you're in school 
and the teacher calls your name and you say presence. They call somebody else's name. That person skipped school today, so you don't hear anything. I used to have friends who would ask me to say present for them, just yell it in the back of the class so they can get marked on there because they knew what was going to happen if they keep being uh, absent. Amen. But their assignments never got finished, so obviously you weren't, <laughs> you weren't there. But God is not one of those people. He is a very present help. That means that every time problems come, those problems that we magnify, those problems that we try to make bigger than they actually are, those problems that we obsess over, the problems that, we, that keep us up late at night, the problems that lead us to depression and oppression and sadness and sorrow, bondage, that same problem is the same problem that God is present for, which means whenever you need the Lord, to sort a problem, he is right there, like present, here. He's never tardy. He's never absent. He's never a few minutes late. No, he's always right on time. Even people say he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. My God is never late. He's always been a present help. Anytime I've went through anything in my life, all I had to do was call on the name of Jesus, and he was right there. It didn't matter how big the problem was. It didn't matter how magnifying people tried to make my problem, because people will magnify your problems for you even if you don't. You don't even have to magnify your problems. The devil will speak through people and, and get them to try to plant that seed in your heart. And they'll start tugging on you, say, oh, man, whew, you got to go through that. I don't know what I would do if I was you. Man, I don't know how you making it. I don't know what you're doing. Man, you might as well just hit this. <laughs> you might as well just take a little sip. <laughs> Come on, man. Get, you might as well just lay back, enjoy yourself, go to this party, dance a little bit, take the load off. When God is the answer to all of our problems. You know what I say to people like that that try to plant seeds of problem magnification in my heart? I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. See, Jesus said to Peter, thou art an offense to the things of the kingdom of God. And he wasn't calling Peter the devil. No, he was rebuking the devil out of Peter. And when he rebuked the devil... The devil left because Jesus had authority and he still has authority over the devil, which means he has authority over our problems. And just like he said, Satan, I rebuke you and Satan fled is the same way he can say to your problems. I rebuke you. You are an offense to the things of the kingdom of God. You are an offense to my child. You are an offense to my will, to my way, to my word, to my spirit. And when God speaks, whatever he's speaking to, it has to obey. So there is no reason to magnify our problems when God is the answer to them all. So for anybody that's trying to blame their problems, and use it as a justification for sin. And I don't care what the sin is. 
If you ended up being a homosexual, if you end up being an alcoholic, if you ended up being a drug addict, you end up being addicted to fornication or been addicted to pornography, whatever it is, there is no excuse for it because God is the answer. How, how can there be excuse for things when God, he, he, he gave us a whole entire Bible. See, people don't think that the Bible applies to us in today's age, but if you read your Bible, everything, I'm talking about no matter what you go through, the answer is in the word of God. Every attack the enemy tries on you, anytime a person turns their back on you, anything that happens, you can open up the book, the good book, and you will find the answer to your question. All you got to do is seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is yet near. In Romans 12, real close to Romans 13, for people who love but this is not Romans 13, it's Romans 12. <laughs> the 17th verse says, recompense or recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. And this actually proves the point, uh, proved that, that other scripture that I was saying about being overcome. And the point I made was if, if you don't over, if you are not overcoming, then you are being overcame. Amen. So God never called us to magnify the sin of the world. That is in the, that is the devil's job. Let me say that again. God never called us to magnify the sin of the world. That is the devil's job. So think about it. What does the devil do? What is his goal? Why, why is he even existing? Because he got kicked out of heaven, right? And God wanted to see Jesus. Uh, the devil tried to reverse what God had already did. And he brought sin into the world. And the Bible says, by one man's sin, sin entered into all of the world. So by one man's righteousness, shall righteousness enter into the world. And it was talking about Jesus. So Jesus went to undo the work of the devil, of the enemy. And after he has done this, the devil has since then wanted to magnify the sin of the world that is his goal so when we magnify our problems and when we magnify our sin or we magnify the world's sin we are doing the work of the enemy we're doing the work of the devil and it says if we do not overcome we are subject to being overcame 
if we do not overcome, we are subject to being overcame. In Romans 12, in the first verse, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And I believe this is my last scripture, so I'm going to read it one more time because I love this scripture. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. This is what we come to the house of God for. To magnify the Lord and exalt his name together. Amen. Not to magnify our problems, not to magnify our sin, not to magnify the work of the enemy, but to magnify the Lord. So it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And it says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. What are you boasting about? Because whatever you make your boast about, that is where your heart is. And think about it. Anything that you give your heart to, when you give your heart over to a person, right, you boast about them. You say, man, that person right there, good looking, treat me right. You start telling people all about them. They do this, they do that, they love me, never had nobody like this. When you get a new car and you love that car, what do you do? You boast about it. Man, it got this much horsepower. It got this much on the dash. <laughs> the fuel efficiency is so high. I can get all of these miles per gallon on the highway, and et cetera, et cetera. And we do the same things with our problems. When we boast, see, we don't even realize we boast about our problems. We boast in our problems. And we magnify them. When instead, we should be magnifying the Lord, making our boast in the Lord. This is what we need to get in a habit of doing is boasting. Not in ourselves, but in God. Because it's not that we have to remind God of how great he is. But sometimes we need to remind ourselves so that we don't fall for the enemy's tricks, so we don't fall for his snares, so we don't fall for magnifying our problems. We got to get in the habit and boasting about God. So every time a problem occurs, the first thing out of our mouth, but God is greater. God is bigger. God is better. God is holy. God is faithful. I've, I've been young and now I'm old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. See, when you realize truly where your help comes from, 
David said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. Your help ain't coming from your problems. Your help ain't coming from the news. Your help ain't coming from the sin of the world and magnifying it. No, your help is only going to come strategically from the Lord. So when our problems occur, we got to learn to boast in God. Because we got to constantly be reminded that God is good. We will forget. Do you know that? You, you See, this is why the Bible says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You can forget of how good God is. And it's not that you just go a long, huge period of forgetting. But in an instant, in a moment, in a situation, the devil can just hit you out of nowhere and cause you to just forget. Like, you just, you don't even think about it. You're not minding the fact that God is so good. But we come today to magnify the Lord. Why the world and the devil is magnifying sin and magnifying problems, we come to magnify the Lord. Amen. And I don't want to have, see, I don't want to be married to a person that's not going to magnify the Lord. One of the reasons I love my wife is because of the fact she will magnify the Lord. I don't want to be, see, we got we, we to gotta choose our friends and the people that we hang out with wisely. You, you, if you're hanging around a person that all they do is magnify their problems, you're going to become just like them. Because just like iron sharpeneth iron, the opposite still exists. So we got to surround ourselves with people that magnifies God. Why? Because even if you slip. See, why does the Bible say two is better than one? Because he said if the one fall, the other will lift him up. So you need to have people surrounding you that if you were to just forget for a moment about the goodness of the Lord, that person will remind you about it. And oftentimes, pastor will do this to me because I won't necessarily complain, but I'll tell him about a problem or I'll, I'll just state a problem that I'm having and I'll explain my frustration. And his response won't be, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. He's never said that to me. He always says, oh, praise the Lord anyhow. God is still good. Amen. And that's the type of not only pastor I want to have, but that's the type of friend I want to have. These are the type of people I want to build relationships with that's going to remind me and, and, and to magnify the Lord and not to magnify my problems. Amen. And this is the type of friend we need to be ourselves. Amen. So this is my last point in my last scripture. As Christians, we should never pass up an opportunity to magnify the Lord. Amen. And what I mean by that is never pass up the opportunity. I mean, we should take every moment possible that we can to praise God. When you wake up in the morning, God, thank you for waking me up. You did not have to. I recognize people do die in their sleep. People go to sleep and they don't wake up. But God, you saw fit to wake me up. The fact that I have food in my refrigerator. See, we don't recognize how much of a blessing that is because we don't live in these certain places but we haven't been in sitting God haven't allowed us to be in certain situations maybe not yet to where that um, there is no but I 
I've seen that situation, not just in my life, but I've seen other people deal with that. So the mere fact that God is providing for you, God, you don't even, you don't have to bless me with a, 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 an abundance of money. God, but the fact that you are just providing the basic needs of life, because you do not have to. God, I Strongsville Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Um, there was a he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance. To the Let no man deceive you of sight by the any means, for the day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Christian Church. Thank you, uh -huh. Jesus. Uh, 
State Correctional Facility. Got my wife here with me, Sister Rhonda. Hello. And all right. We're just excited. I gotta tell you, we're thank God we had such a smooth trip coming out here. Uh, we're getting ready to do a church service at Belmont State Prison. We come out once a year, and uh, this I believe this is the fifth time coming out here. And I got Deacon Frederick here with me. We're down at the Cleveland Just Center Jail. I just have a testimony that I want to share. It's uh, really amazing. Um, during our church service, we had um, the inmates that were right next to where we were doing the service. They got into a fight. And what's significant about the fight uh, brought peace upon the whole service. And everyone was listening really intently when, when both of us were speaking. And even as I was singing the songs, they were singing along with me. And it's just a glorious thing to see God move through um, people who a lot of people don't see no hope in them. But even them, they're a, a lot, they're a lot more drawn to the service than people that actually go to service that's not in jail. <laughs> and that's a blessing to see that people, even though they're in a horrible state, they can still come to God and they can still worship Him. Um, 
It just shows again the validity of how important it is for us to come down here and do the church service. This shows that the jail of those that weren't in church, there was so much disorder, there was fear. Um, I talked to some of the staff members, even them, they said it was the first time that they witnessed that, they stressed them out. But then in our church service with me and Dick and Frederick, there was still peace, there was still joy, there was still uh, the Spirit of God in the midst of all the drama going on. It just really shows how powerful God is. So again, there was an MS-13 gang member down here, came to our church service, and uh, he just said, you know, it just encouraged us. And, you know, when we come down here, we don't, I don't, me personally, when I come down here, I don't come down to the jail to do a church service so that the inmates can encourage me. I don't go down here for people to clap or say amen or to approve. I'm coming down here to declare the Word of God to the people in the jail. Like Jesus said, if you visit those in prison, you visited me. God is good everywhere. No matter what church, church service is, it is or where it's located, God is powerful everywhere that you call upon him. Even in the jail? Even in the jail. <laughs> but it's the whole feeling that you get when you know you're making people feel better, you're giving people hope where there was no hope or peace where, or joy where there was none of that before. They're locked up in jail but still praising God and still full of joy. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing seeing people that's, that's strong and, and they hungry for the word of God despite the situation that they're in. And God has the power to deliver us out of this fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, I will still praise the Lord. See, they had a right to be upset, but they also had a right to praise God. And you know, Instead of me telling everybody, oh yeah, God is able to do this and that, God helped me to really believe. Because if I keep pretending like I believe, I will be in the same spot that I was yesterday, 10 years ago. I will never move forward. But God, if you help my unbelief, I can move forward. We're here at Belmont State Correctional Facility. Got my wife here with me, Sister Rhonda. Hello. And. All right. We're just excited. I got to tell you, we're thank God we had such a smooth trip coming out here. Uh, we're getting ready to do a church service at Belmont State Prison. We come out once a year. And uh, this, I believe, this is the fifth time coming out here. And I got Dick and Frederick here with me. We're down at the Cleveland Just Center Jail. I just have a testimony that I want to share. It's uh, really amazing. Um, during our church service, we had um, the inmates that were right next to where we were doing the service. They got into a fight. And what's significant about the fight? We uh, brought peace upon the whole service. And everyone was listening really intently when, when both of us were speaking. And even as I was singing the songs, they were singing along with me. And it's just a glorious thing to see God move through um, people who a lot of people don't see no hope in them. But even them, they're a, a lot, they're a lot more drawn to the service than people that actually go to service that's not in jail. <laughs> And that's a blessing to see that people, even though they're in a horrible state, they can still come to God and they can still worship Him um, in unison. It just shows again the validity of how important it is 
for us to come down here and do the church service. This shows that the jail of those that weren't in church, there was so much disorder. There was fear. Um, I talked to some of the staff members, even them, they said it was the first time that they witnessed that. They stressed them out. But then in our church service with me and Dick and Frederick, there was still peace. There was still joy. There was still uh, the Spirit of God in the midst of all the drama going on. It just really shows how powerful God is. So again, there was an MS-13 gang member down here, came to our church service, and uh, he just said, you know, just encouraged us. And, you know, when we come down here, we don't, I don't, me personally, when I come down here, I don't come down to the jail to do a church service so that the inmates can encourage me. I don't go down here for people to clap or say amen or to approve. I'm coming down here to declare the word of God to the people in the jail. Like Jesus said, if you visit those in prison, you visited me. God is good everywhere. No matter what church, church service is, it is or where it's located, God is powerful everywhere that you call upon him. Even in the jail? Even in the jail. <laughs> but it's the whole feeling that you get when you know you're making people feel better, you're giving people hope where there was no hope or peace where, or joy where there was none of that before. They're locked up in jail but still praising God and still full of joy. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing seeing people that's, that's strong and, and they hungry for the word of God despite the situation that they're in. And God has the power to deliver us out of this fire first, but even if he doesn't, I will still praise the Lord. See, they had a right to be upset, but they also had a right to praise God. And you know, Instead of me telling everybody, oh yeah, God is able to do this and that, God helped me to really believe. Because if I keep pretending like I believe, I will be in the same spot that I was yesterday, 10 years ago. I will never move forward. But God, if you help my unbelief, I can move forward.
sad.